Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of NBA Today. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. Today is Friday. Yep, yep, Friday, end of the week. One of the best days of the week for me. September 18th of this, let's just say this year, 2020. And like I said, it is HoopBall presentation, so make sure, as I always say, to check out the fine folks of HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBallTweets, online www.hoop-ball.com. You can find me, your host, with the most, Corbin Ford, on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Make sure to check that out for sure. And you know what? Today, we only really got one game to look back on, Miami Heat, Boston Celtics, Eastern Conference Finals Game 2. They both clashed. Remember, the Miami came with that hard-fought win in Game 1, and guess what, y'all? They won again to go up 2-0 over the Boston Celtics. Now, we've seen this scenario play out before with other teams, but Boston right now, if I were them, I'd be worried. We'll go into why. We'll talk about the game a little bit, but first, I do want to share something with you, and it's a little bit new, a little bit different from what we usually talk about, you know, NBA Today the occasional hoopball partnerships, but let's talk about a VPN, right? Let's just talk about a VPN for a hot second. What's a VPN? Let's just pretend you know. <laughs> no, I'm playing, but we all know a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? I would imagine that's common knowledge, but I'll tell you this. I didn't know this until recently, and it's taken my TV watching game to the next level. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Crazy, right? I know. Over the weekend, I used ExpressVPN to binge Doctor Who on UK Netflix. I'm not really a Doctor Who fan, but I have a lot of friends who are, and I figured why not. And it was so simple. I just fired up the ExpressVPN app, changed my location to UK, refreshed Netflix, and that was it. That was that easy. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries that you can go through. That is a plethora of new content for you to just totally go through. Love anime? Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese anime and then be spirited away. But guess what? It's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. That's Hulu. That's BBC. That's iPlayer. That's YouTube. You name it, it has it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. But the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag. And you can stream in HD no problemo. So I would definitely check it out. ExpressVPN is compatible with all your devices, your phone, your media console, your smart TV, more. Check it all out. You can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen wherever you are. And, I mean, it's that simple and that accessible. And if you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Why not? Three months for free. Express.com, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Got to get it right to give you those extra free three months, right? Exactly. Again, support the show, please. Watch what you want and protect yourself at expressvpn.com vpn.com slash hoopball and when you do you know hit me up at Corbin NBA and tell me what you watch I am intrigued and I need to build out my TV watch list so let's help each other 
expressvpn.com slash hoopball. So let's run, before we break down the game, kind of bearing the lead here, let's run through some news real quick. Only two relatively major news items. I wouldn't even call them major, but they're two pieces. First of all, let's wish a happy birthday to the Zen master himself, Mr. Phil Jackson, who turns 75, or he's turned 75, um, as of yesterday. So we're, we're kind of breaking that down. Of course, you know, Phil Jackson played 12 years in the NBA, most notably with the Knicks, averaged 6.7 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 1.1 assists per game. Nobody really cares about that. He won two rings, one in 1970, one in 1973. But obviously, we know him as the great coach of the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan and the Los Angeles Lakers with Shaq and Kobe, and then later Kobe and Paul Gasol. Um, and, and with that, the record speaks for itself. He had a 68% win percentage, 73% in Chicago over nine years, uh, 65% win percentage with the Lakers over 11 years. That's simply a crazy amount. As far as the championships, you got 91, 92, 93, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, or not 99, 2000, 1, 2, skip a few years, then you get 8, 9, 10. I mean, come on. That's crazy. That's a crazy amount of NBA championships. If you really want to know, it's 12 of them. Or it's at 11. I have to do my math right now, right? <laughs> 9, 10, 11. Yeah, I said it right. No, I was wrong. It wasn't 12. It was 11. I gave myself one of those Lakers years at the championship. As a Lakers fan, I had to put down the glasses and remember that, no, we did not win in 2003. The Spurs did. But moving right along, 11 championships is an insane amount in that many years. Over a long career of coaching, 20 years of coaching in the NBA, 12 championships. That is a long time. He was a six-time winner of Coach of the Month. He was a five-time winner of the Western Conference Coach of the Month. He was named Coach of the Year in 1996. Again, that was the year with the 72-10 and 10 Bulls, the record for wins at the time before the, the 2016 Warriors broke that. Or, yeah, 2016 Warriors broke that. Then you, he was 1996-1997. Uh, he was named the top 10 coach in NBA history. And remember, his career ended by 2014. Okay, I'm kidding. In 2014, he was hired as team president by the New York Knicks. I don't think we need to break down that horrendous tenure, but, you know, we're not going to. Again, NBA today is all about positivity, and him running the Knicks into the ground wasn't that hard when they were halfway underneath the ground to begin with. So, happy 75th birthday to the Zen Master, one of the great coaches in NBA history, regardless of how you think about the talent that he had to work with, because he coached Kobe, he coached Shaq, he coached Michael Jordan, but a lot of other guys did the same thing. Doug Collins had a chance with both of them. Nothing happened. Rudy Tomjanovich had a chance with Kobe. Mike Brown had a chance with Kobe. These guys weren't able to get done. Del Harris had a chance with Shaq and Kobe and wasn't able to get done. So it took a certain coach, I think, with the talent at hand and the perfect blend of that to reach the successful heights that Phil Jackson was able to get. So I say put some respect on the man's name and definitely wish the dude a happy birthday. In other news, the Toronto Raptors, we know they had a disappointing end of their season, second round exit, seven games at the hands of the Boston Celtics, and they had some big questions to deal with, one or three of them really being their free agency regarding players who were a big part of their team last year and had big parts of their team this year, and that was obviously point guard Fred Van Vliet and then your centers Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka. And President Masai Ujiri came out yesterday and said that re-signing 
Fred Van Vliet is a big time priority. Remember, Van Vliet will be an unrestricted free agent after the season, and this year he averaged 18 points and 7 assists per game. Great three point shooter, got a lot better running a ball club, still not the best in finishing at the rim. Um, not really a great penetrator in getting there and making sure that you convert, but someone who at 26 is still, you know, becoming a good player and, and may be tantalizing to a team like the Knicks or the Pistons who don't have any exceptional point guard prospects that can talk themselves into thinking that Van Vliet is the answer. But to hear that from Masai Ujiri is promising for them. He plays very well alongside Kyle Lowry, especially in those starting two point guard lineups where they can both swing between the one and the two. And I think he's a great bridge to the continued success of the Raptors as Kyle Lowry eventually declined. So the fact that Mujiri is coming out publicly and, and immediately saying, hey, we hope to re-sign Fred Van Vliet is of great confidence to Van Vliet and his chances of re-signing with a team that really helped him out as well as a team that benefited from his contributions as well. So a mutual blend there. Hopefully they can come to an agreement. And besides, I think they will. Would you rather play with the defending champs or not defending champs anymore? Well, they are until you know another team supplants them, even though they will no longer have a chance to defend that title. Would you rather play with the Raptors, who have Pascal Siakam, a strong core, and Nick Nurse, or would you rather go to the Pistons or the Knicks? Or another team that's less likely with just as dim outlook for the future. I, I don't think it's that hard of a choice. Then again, money talks, and the fact that Mujiri is saying that, hey, we'll do our best to resign him, that could just be lip service, but I tend to believe that Ujiri wants to back up what he says with his action, and I'm pretty positive that Fred Van Vliet will find himself with the Raptors in the 2020-21-21 NBA season. So if you remember game one, the Miami Heat's offense had stops and starts that kind of got them in trouble that they had to fight extra hard to dig out of. In game one, they had started off scoring 18 points in that first quarter. Then remember, they scored 16 points in the third quarter. And then in game two, they had another quarter where they scored less than 20 points. That was the second where they only scored 18 points. And that just inability to find the basket sent Boston into the half up relatively comfortably 60-47. to 47. And then the fourth quarter, Miami totally turned the tables on Boston. One, they outscored Boston 37-17 to 17 in that third quarter alone. Bam Adebayo outshot and nearly outscored the Celtics by himself. In that quarter, Adebayo went 7-8 from the field for 15 points in that quarter, while Boston went 4-12 for 12 in that same period. By the end of the quarter, the Heat led 84-77 to 77 when it was over. Now, the Celtics did fight back in the fourth quarter. They went on a 15-2 run. They had the Heat scoreless for nearly 7 minutes and then went up 94-89 on a big three-pointer by Kemba Walker with 4.25 left. Kemba Walker played a lot better, but that really only set the stage for another uh, Heat run as they finished the game, the Miami Heat did, on a 17-7 run to close the game out. Now, for Miami, real quick notes. They rallied, they fought back. Bam Adebayo had a great game. Uh, if you remember Duncan Robinson, he had been two of nine on threes on his last two games. He made four in the first quarter and six overall, but it wasn't just those two. Goran Dragic scored 25, and again, he's been someone who's been playing great. Jimmy Butler did not shoot well from the field, but he finished with 14 points, four rebounds, three assists. Uh, Jay Crowder tremendously cooled down from the three-point line. Remember, that man is shooting 40% exactly from the three-point line this playoff season on a high volume. He shot three of 10 from there tonight, but with Duncan Robinson going off for 18, Goran Dragic shooting efficiently, off the bench, Tyler Hero coming out in double figures, the he were able to scrap up just enough points to win the game. It wasn't a pretty game. Uh, the Heat shot 44% from the field and 32% from three, but they did what needed to be done. The Celtics actually had a fairly efficient game 
on the offensive end. Like I said, Kemba Walker bounced back, you know, in, in a little bit there. Uh, 9-19 from the field, 4-11 of 11 from 3, defense 23 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Jason Tatum cooled down a little bit, 21 points on 6-12 shooting, didn't make the 3, but got to the free throw line pretty effectively, 9-11 of 11 from there. Five rebounds, four assists. Daniel Tice was really a non-factor, um, except with the rebounds where he had eight. Jalen Brown played decent, 21 points, six rebounds, two assists. Again, you had some production from the starting five. Marcus Smart, 14 points, two three-pointers knocked down. But off the bench, and his counter for one, got some minutes. Ten minutes, nine points. The dude can score. A little else. But he gave you six rebounds, too. So that's pretty good for the record. And his counter was a plus seven in his ten minutes. So that's pretty effective. And then Brad Wanamaker... Again, efficient. Seven points, two threes, two rebounds, two assists. He's the the triple, triple double with that work for three twos, two two. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to overthink it. The point being, on the offensive end, the Celtics played pretty well, but they could not stop the Heat rallies, and they kept happening. The Heat had been 0 21 in playoff games where they trailed by as much as they did at intermission, down by 17. They're 1-21 and now, and they are two wins away from their first NBA Finals since 2014. That 17-point comeback matched the biggest comeback in the Miami Heat postseason ever in their history. As, as Butler said, they, they, they like to make it hard on themselves. They like being down double digits, being the comeback kids. I would disagree, Mr. Butler, that title is reserved for the Denver Nuggets because they don't just do it in the game, they do it in the series, and that's a lot harder to accomplish. For the Celtics... It was reported that they had a very, uh, let's just say, animated discussion in the locker room after the game with the walls not being able to hold in the sound and that they all just try to downplay it, which is exactly what you would do in a situation like that. Boston's down 0-2. Defensively, they're giving up spurs so they can stop. They've had two winnable games, and now they're down two in the hole of the Eastern Conference Finals. There's understandable frustration there. Kemba Walker said that it was nothing, that it was nothing. Jason Tatum said we're frustrated, but that's just team sports. Not supposed to be happy when you're down 0-2, just what I said. But it's nothing out of the ordinary. Just talking about the game, it's cool. So, there you go. No, nothing nothing big. Uh, except that Miami took a 2-0 lead for the 11th time since Coach Eric Spolstra took over for the Miami Heat. And, and you want a little bit of history there? It's not great for Boston. All 11 times that Spolstra has done that, or the last 10 times, the Heat have won. Game 3 will be on Saturday. We'll see how that works. But right now, great team effort from Miami. The Celtics definitely need to get together. Uh, Gordon Hayward remains out. I think his inclusion will be a big help for Boston, if not only confidence-wise, just having someone off the bench who is capable. But a lot of that rides on how healthy he is when he gets back and whether they will push him to move faster with the Celtics down 0-2 now and not having won a game. If they do, I think that buys Hayward a little more time. But you don't want to get in a situation where you're down 0-3. That's a death knell. If you make it 1-2, then you're a little better off, and then you can take some more time with um, Hayward and see how it works. But again, that's not contingent on whether Hayward comes back in general. It's whether he comes back and was the player he was earlier in the season, which with the guy coming off an injury is not going to work. You could at best hope for a return similar to what Gary Harris did for the Denver Nuggets, where he came back and was pretty effective. Made his mark on the defensive end, knocked down some shots, wasn't giving you 30 points a game or anything, but the dude is working his way back from playing ball for the first time in many months. Now, Gordon Hayward had a little more time than Gary Harris, I'd say for sure, but at the same time, an ankle injury of that severity is pretty big, and it messes up a lot of what you want to do um, athletically on both the offensive end and the defensive end. So 
we don't know how Hayward's going to look, but I would imagine that that would be big. Aside from that, Boston just needs to tighten up defensively, make sure those runs don't happen, be a little more prudent on switches, do a better job of taking Duncan Robinson out of the game. Today, they let Duncan Robinson get a little loose from the three-point line. Aside from that, I think Boston's playing pretty well. Uh, Kemba Walker can definitely hope to improve, and maybe they can play through more Tatum a little bit and, and realize that Tatum can work to get more shots in the flow of the offense and maybe not do everything in ISO or lean that way because he's a good ISO player, but he's not a great one. He's definitely not an ISO uh, a savant at the level of a Kawhi or someone of that sort. So maybe not playing that way will be helpful. You know what I mean? But that, that's what I would say for Boston. Right now, they're still very much in play. Being down 0-2 is not great, of course, but they're still, I would expect Saturday, a, a renewed resolve. Maybe some better news for Gordon Hayward. That's a couple more days in between now and then. Well, it's really just a day. But you count yesterday and today that he didn't play. That's a little extra help. We'll see what happens. But um, that'll really do it here for NBA Today. Again, not a lot of news. One game, not a whole lot to go off of. And you know what? That's not the worst thing in the world sometimes, you know? Get your hoop basketball info. Check out hoop ball. Take a break. Drink some water. Get some fresh air. Keep wearing your mask. Keep looking forward to us getting better. Maintain that social distancing. All that good stuff you got to do. Follow me at Corbin NBA. Make sure that you do that. Check out my my buddy, um, Gary Bougay. Don't talk about him nearly enough. I am a co-host on the podcast, Duncan Dynasty. He is a big part of that, so check that out. He's a big part of that. He made the show. Check that out at Gary Bougay at Duncan Dynasty. Check out my bro, Will Harris at William is Bill. You've heard of him a few times here on this podcast. He is a great guy for some hoop insight. And just keep following the good folks of Hoop Ball. This is a Hoop Ball presentation after all, right? Exactly. Hoop-ball.com online on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been it. Corbin Ford is out. Stay frosty. <laughs> all right, y'all.